Welcome to the Midlife Mastery Podcast, where we're looking for ways to really create an amazing second half of life. You know, what we do today matters for tomorrow. And so today I'm talking to Jay Coons. And Jay is not a self-help guru. He doesn't get paid to show you how to be your best self. He doesn't have an ebook for you. He doesn't have any of that. What he has is he has worked really hard about being intentional about being his best self and creating a great second half. So he simply shares what has worked for him. And we talk about a lot of different things. And in no particular order, we talk about taking the long view to life. His focus on sleep, nutrition, and fitness, as well as faith and family, they all kind of fit together. How he plans on living to 100, his two relationship rules for his kids, the importance of nurturing multiple communities, how he has gone about creating a personal board of directors, setting goals, cultivating happiness. And it turns out we both share the same guilty treat of little Debbie Swiss rolls. And so he talks about having to give those up. So anyway, I give it a listen to how just an ordinary guy has really set himself up for an amazing second half. And please, if you would take a moment to email, to tweet, whatever, to share this with someone who you think would benefit from it. Let's get started. You know, the whole premise of this show is that there are just very few instructions on how to do midlife well. And most of the stereotypes I find appalling, like when I look at ads on on TV, uh, you know, I kind of figure that's how the world either sees me in midlife or how the world expects me to see myself. And, And I don't really like any of those things. And I'm looking for ways to do over 50 extraordinarily. It, it almost seems taboo to talk about it. I just, I haven't come across many resources. So this show is really me reaching out to some awesome people and my chance to learn from them, your chance to follow along and learn as well. And so today we've got Jay Coons and I'm really, really excited to have Jay on because while I love to get those who are really focused in the whole personal development industry, uh, Jay is not. Jay is just focused on personal development and he's got another day job and This isn't how he earns his money, and yet he really seems to have personal development and his life over 50 sorted out, and so great chance to to learn from him. Uh, Just a few quick things here, and I'll let him introduce himself as well, but you know, I look look at Jay, and I see someone who's got a great career, someone who's got a great relationship with his kids and his mom. He's fit, he's vibrant, enthusiastic, and, you know, loves where he lives, just seems to be living a great life, and and I want to learn from that. And so, Jay, welcome to the show. Awesome to have you on, man. Brock, thanks for having me, buddy. It's great to be here. This is a great, great, great idea for a podcast, and I'm really excited that I get to be part of it. So, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I already introduced you a little bit. I mean, if people go out to like Instagram, social media, they'll see that, you know, your bio says, well, Instagram, it's faith, family and fitness. And there's a few other things, but those are like the three big things there. How do you introduce yourself to people? Uh, So I say that I'm a longtime HR guy and uh, I'm now doing consulting and helping companies be better. And I, I love that about what I've been able to do on my life journey, if you will. Uh, I just absolutely love it. It's a, a, a blessing. And um, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Yes, there are bumps, bumps and bruises and ups and downs along the way, but that's kind of what makes us who we are, right? If it was just a straight line, smooth, always on the upswing, that'd be pretty fake. That's Hollywood, right? That's um, the myth. 
That's the myth. Yeah. And it's also the myth, as you said in your introduction to the show, it's also the myth until you get to about 45. And then it's don't die, take these pills, right? So I'm glad that we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s. What do you do once you're past kind of the primo marketing age, uh, other than, you know, sustainability advertising, <laughs> right, as we move along? It is interesting because, you know, I've heard and I don't have the exact figure, but just the the trajectory of it is enough for me that something like, you know, those of us that are over 50 spend over half the money and yet only like seven or eight percent of the marketing is aimed at us. And like I say, I, I find that marketing appalling because it is like, hey, here's some pills you haven't heard about. Maybe you should take them. Talk to your doctor um, mm-hmm. or just kind of go quietly off in the corner and, and you know, try to try to just to stay out of the way. And I don't like any of those lifestyles. Like when I, when I look around, it just, there seems to be so many advantages to being over 50 and we, we just never talk about those. And, and so for you, I mean, you do have this vibrant, enthusiastic spirit and approach to life. So what do you see as being the advantages to being over 50? Like clearly you haven't gone to your corner to wait for death. Like you are oh, out there. No, living. Way. no, no, no. I'm going, I'm going full power. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, uh, part of it's genes and part of it's good living. Right. So I'm, I'm blessed with some genes that are letting me hang in there. And I'm also putting a lot of energy into um, not being a 75 year old person in a 53 year old person's body. Right. Like I just don't, I see too many of my friends and colleagues who have already made the shift. You can tell they're, they're, they're starting to give up. So whatever happens, it's like, Oh, getting older is terrible. Well, it doesn't have to be terrible. You have to do some work and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but there's benefits of doing the work, right? Number one, you feel better. So quick show of hands, who wants to feel better? Uh, Everyone. Right. So it's that sort of thing. So I, I, I think over 50 is um, obviously you get some life wisdom, right? So that's tremendously valuable. Uh, I've recently become a grandfather. My daughter and her husband had their first child on Halloween. And I see them going through the shock and trauma of being a new parent. And, and I'm just so relaxed, right? Like, hey, the baby's crying. That's what babies do. You know, like it's going to be okay. Uh, but when it's all new, it's rough. Right. It's rough. So, well, there, yeah. there certainly is that perspective. I mean, so a couple of things I kind of want to unpack there, Jay. And, you know, one of them is kind of the perspective and wisdom and just knowledge that you accumulate over the years. But and I, th- I see that as a, as a huge advantage that is largely ignored, I think, Um by everyone, not not just by those younger than us, but even by those of us in this age group, because as you said, so many of our peers, it's just like they've they've written off their life. Like, well, you get old, that's what's happening. And yes, yes, I find myself owning way more pairs of reading glasses than I ever thought I would own, you know? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like, I can't deny that aging does come with, with, with some mm-hmm. downsides, but you know, you, you, I, I just see so many people who are vibrant and are fit and are working on their life and approaching their life different because, yeah, you know, to be 20 years old and healthy and fit, like you just got to wake up and work to not screw things up. Like, <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's the opposite to, of what we have now. 
Exactly. Exactly. So tell me about some of that intentionality because you're right. You don't, you don't just wake up one day and well, many of us wake up one day and go, Oh, geez, you know, this doesn't feel like I want to feel, you know, I'm not in the shape I want to be in. My memory's not as sharp, my, you know, brain fog, all, all those things. And yes, some of that may be aging, but I suspect a lot of that is just like you say, you know, kind of good living. And, and so, or, or at least curing that as the good living part. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you approach it, Jay? Well, I, I went through a period of time in my late twenties, early thirties, where uh, I was in shape for a while and then I was out of shape and then I was in shape, and then I was out of shape. And by my mid-30s, and it, it went a bit farther than that, but late 30s, let's say, I just got tired of not being reasonably fit. And so I started eating better. That's just massively essential, right? You can work out four hours a day, but if you're not eating right, forget it. Well, well um, actually, I, w- I want to jump in and stop you right there. Yeah. And th- then we'll keep going because eating better, like, I don't know, what, what is there, 17 jillion diet books out there that'll tell you, you know, <laughs> what yeah. to be eating, how to be eating. Yeah, they all yeah. contradict each other. And, and the, right. the basic theme seems to be pick whatever's popular, write the contrarian book to it. Yeah. And then, you know, that'll be the next big thing. But we put all the nonsense of the diet industry aside for you, what does eating better mean? Yeah. So it's all for me, it's become, and again, this is Jay's journey, right? Not right. necessarily the blueprint for everybody else, but there might be a little tiny piece that someone could, could take. Uh, for me, it's all about goals. So um, for example, right now I'm going through a process uh, with my workouts and my nutrition where I have goals that require pretty heavy calorie intake. And for several weeks, and then I cut back for a fourth week. But that's all within the structure of the right types of calories. And um, it's not just filling myself up with calories. It's filling myself up with healthy food, but a lot of it because I'm training very hard. I have a personal trainer. And I'm at a point in my life where, as you said earlier, we're spending half the money. Well, I'm blessed that I'm able to have a personal trainer now he and I work out what are the goals. I have a fairly aggressive goal for the spring. So just to have a milestone, it's not that there's anything necessarily happening in the spring other than I'm a competitive guy and I want to have a deadline, right? I used to do a lot of triathlons and things like that. So I had a goal of race day. So you'd work really hard for race day. Well, I don't do that anymore. Um, So now it's just kind of an artificial goal, but that really helps with the nutrition. And I keep track of everything that I eat. I use an app called My Fitness Pal, very, very popular app. And I literally track a hundred percent. So like if I have a cocktail, I document the cocktail. You know, I mean it's like down to that level of detail. Um, because then you have an honest look at what you're doing. And it's not about beating myself up or rewarding myself. It's really about feeling like I'm in control of my food. Food is not in control of me. Um, Ooh, I like that. And that's a, that's a nice mental shift. I see a lot of people posting tons of stuff about food online, and that's great if they're foodies. But then other times you can tell maybe they might be having some issues with their relationship with food because of um, how that all kind of plays out. So did you always eat pretty healthy or did you have to change your relationship with food at some point, Jay? I absolutely had to change my relationship with food. I don't know if you know these, Brock, but there are these little like uh, 
cake treats called Little Debbie Cakes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I used to keep so many Little Debbie Cakes in my um, actually Swiss cake rolls. Oh, those are the my, best. Oh, full now, of I, artificial everything. You could ship them around the world. They'd come back fresh. <laughs> like they're just, they're, they never get stale. That's how many preservatives are in them. But they're delicious. And I used to eat them all the time. Well, you can't. No disrespect to that product because it is delicious, but I, I could not, I don't do that. I can't do French fries. I can't do hot dogs. I don't do desserts and stuff like that. So I had to get like, there were some things I just said, I'm not, I don't need that anymore. I've had enough of that in my life. So now I can have other things. All right. So d definitely conscious choice. And also what I'm hearing here, Jay is, uh, and, and I hate the term lifestyle, but it, you know, it, it is sounds more lifestyle. This isn't like, you know, for totally. the next six weeks, I'm going to eat healthy. This is like, you know, for the rest no, of my I've life. I've embraced it. Yeah. I've embraced it. And, and I know what you mean about lifestyle. Cause sometimes that's a little cliche or it's a little overused unless you embrace it. Uh, it's the same way I feel about fitness. If I miss two days, um, I don't feel good. I don't feel good mentally. I don't, you know, there's a self-esteem, self-confidence component of exercise for me where I am taking care of myself um, so that I can be sharper. I can have more endurance. I can have more stamina. I can be more effective in my job. I can have the energy I need. I, I have tons more energy in my fifties than I had in my thirties. It's not even remotely close. And, and that yet that just runs counter to the stereotype. Right. I have way more muscle in my fifties than I had in my thirties, not even close. You know, and, and I think we should be able to be that way. And I, I'm certainly not an expert on that. But when I look around and I mentioned some of the advantages, so some key advantages, one, just wisdom. Like when I work out now, I know what my body responds to versus just kind of winging it, you know, when yep. I was in my 20s. Sure, yeah. Um, as you mentioned, you know, many of us now have more resources, if only because the kids have moved out. Like, right. <laughs> we're no longer spending right. on them. We can now That's spend right. on ourselves. Um it doesn't have to be exorbitant. My investment in a trainer is not exorbitant. You know, uh, we uh, at all we're, we're more settled in our career, so maybe we don't need to burn the midnight oil quite as much as when we were trying to, you know, be on the fast, steep rise of our career. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, it just seems like should we choose it, we can choose something different than than all of those stereotypes. And you know, obviously, you're you're an example of that, Jay. Um, so, so what else kind of, kind of this clean living that, that we can learn from you here? Like, so eat better, eat healthy, embrace mm -hmm. it for you. Fitness, very key. Yeah. And hugely important. Yeah. My, my big three are sleep, nutrition. Uh, a lot of times I call my food fuel because I'm fueling my body. That's a different, again, has to do with my relationship with food. Right. If it's fuel for my body to help me with my work, with my personal relationships, with my volunteer time, with my workouts, that's very different than a cheat day. Like, first of all, you don't need a whole day. Like, why would you work so hard for six days in a row and on the seventh day blow that all out? The I just I don't get a cheat day. So but that's me. Right. I get a cheap meal. I mean, sure that you need to do that to maintain some sanity, but I would feel horrible after a whole day of eating junk food because I'm just not used to it anymore. So sleep, nutrition, and fitness. I, I hit the gym probably six days a week. 
three with a trainer, three on my own. Um, although he will say my workouts don't count. That's what he tells me when I train by myself, he says, they don't count. You, you work out three days a week. The rest is whatever you're doing. So that's pretty funny. So it's all about perspective as well. Um, so yeah, so th those, those are the, those are big three. Uh, and what that does for me is it gives me energy for three other very, very important parts of my life. And that is the relationship that I want to have with my kids. We're all grown now. Um, but we're very close and stay very connected. Um, my relationship with my uh, church, I'm a member of a United Methodist church here in Tampa, and I'm very, very active in that church doing a variety of different things. And um, if I had no energy, volunteer stuff starts to slip away. Right. And the last one, and just as important is the energy I need to bring to my work. Um, because uh, my, the company I work for now, IRI Consultants, we are going full speed. I mean, the hammer is down. We 2020 was one of our best years in the history of the firm. Um, and we are very, very excited about where we're headed. So we are all in as a team, as a leadership team there. Um, all of our consultants are just going full in. So it feels like everything's going 100 miles an hour, which is probably why I like Formula One racing and hockey, because those sports are full on high speed, high intensity every second. So that's just kind of kind of how I operate, I guess. I'm kind of cracking myself up now as I'm listing this stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. Hopefully people are still listening after that little rant. So, all right. So that's interesting because you talk about, you know, high intensity at, at work. Clearly you live your life with high intensity. Even your hobbies are, are not relaxing hobbies, you know, that they're, they're no. high intensity. Yep. And yet that seems to run counter to one of your, your core principles of making sure that you get good sleep. Or at least when I think of high intensity people, I don't think of people who, you know, focus on sleep much. Mm -hmm. So for you, what, what does that look like? I mean, uh, Americans are, are known to be sleep deprived. You can read right. all sorts of studies about how it's messing up our health, you know, just, yeah. as, just as bad as many other things we could be doing. Um, so what, what have you done to create, uh, to make sleep possible? <laughs> that, that's a newer transition for me. So one of the things that I think is important for us to talk about is, you know, it, it, it sounds like, oh, I've got all this stuff like locked down and I've got, you know, everything just right. That's 100% not true. This is a, an evolution, a personal evolution for me over a long period of time to figure out, as you alluded to with your, with your training, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. For a long time, I was, I, um, I followed that uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead thing. You know that joke, I'll sleep when I'm dead? Yep. Well, you get dead sooner, actually, if you don't sleep as much. So that's actually true. You'll just do it a lot quicker. Well, I don't want to do it quicker. Um, uh, I have a goal of being 100. So I'm a little over halfway. And so I need my sleep. I used to wake up super early and pound out four, five, six miles power walking in the morning. Um, and then I'm wiped out at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night because my whole day shifted, but I, it wasn't enough. That early sleep, I'd fallen asleep in a chair, you know, it was just, so I cut out my morning power walks, which is a, which I love not only for the physical benefits, but for the mental ones as well. Cause I listen to a lot of podcasts, by the way, that have nothing to do with the world of business. 
because I spend a huge amount of hours in the world of business. I want to follow some of my passions. So they're almost all about history. I'm a big history buff. So that's like a nice different headspace for me to be in, but I was not getting the sleep that I needed. So I, I made that adjustment literally in 2020. Hmm. So that's a newer adjustment. Um, I've added cardio at the gym. I add evening steps. I bought a bike so I can get some bike time in. I, you're a huge bike guy. So you can relate to the obsession that happens once you get a good bike. And um, so I just had to find a different way to get my steps in. I'm a big step tracker guy. Uh, a good buddy of mine told me a number of years ago, everything counts. So if you've had a super strenuous day, not necessarily bad, but one of those days where you're thinking so hard, meeting after meeting after meeting, you're just thinking so hard, you are burning a lot of calories. That counts as a day where you were, you were working it. And other days are more traditional where you're going to do 30 minutes of strength training and 20 minutes on the elliptical or whatever to, to get some of that extra in. So um, I like tracking the steps. I, it just, for me, it's like a little milestone. And I don't care if the tracker is accurate or not, quite honestly. It only, it's only me comparing against me, right? So as long as it's always me as the baseline, who cares? I don't, if it's four miles or four and a half miles, I don't care. I just want to keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. So if you don't have your watch on, do the steps not count? Do you have to go out and do them again? If, if I don't have my Apple watch on, then I am carrying my phone everywhere. Yeah. Cause I'm freakish that way, but you know, and part of it's like a, it's like a discipline almost. It's like, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Well, it does. Because I have a different set of goals. For example, this year I want to. Last year I missed ten thousand steps a day by an average of six steps per day. Oh, ninety nine, ninety four, and I was super pissed because the year before was like twelve thousand something. So I was really, really disappointed. So I was like, okay, this year is different. So I have whatever it is, ten days or so, nine days, eight days to go, and I'm at a, and I want to average thirteen thousand, and I'm averaging a little under that. So I'm gonna. I have a, a chunk of time off here for the holiday. So I'm going to be pounding the steps <laughs> just to make sure I get over 13. But that's a big jump from last year from 10,000 to 13,000. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good jump. So it's like, okay, I, I accomplished that. And that was a longer term goal because you don't get your yearly steps in by February 1st. You have to stay with it, have to stay with it. So what, uh, well, let, let's talk about, because, you know, so much of your life is intentional and, and I appreciate that, you know, you, you, you point out, it's not just like the social media highlights, like that there is hard work, there are downsides, you know, right? I mean, it, it's easy for me right now to highlight kind of the shiny glossy. But you know, you don't feel like working out every day, there are probably no. days when you're not getting as much sleep. And by the right. way, those little little Debbie's Swiss rolls sound amazing. <laughs> um, especially if you put them in the fridge for a little bit beforehand. Oh, but. Yeah, they're outstanding. <laughs> they're, they're so good. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so, so there is just kind of the, the grind of, of it all. And, but there is this intentionality piece. And you mentioned you're, you're kind of big on goals. Is that something you do? Like, I mean, I know we all set like New Year's resolutions type goals, but clearly you're, you're following through on them. So kind of what's your approach to deciding what the, the upcoming year is going to look like for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, uh, a couple of years ago, decided to stop with resolutions. Um, 
because they didn't work for me. They work for some people. I mean, it's just a different word for a goal, but there's like stigma around it or whatever, right? There's baggage for me around my new year's resolution as if I had just entered into some contract, right? And I didn't want the self-inflicted pressure. That's very weird to say, but so I just stopped with the resolution. So I have, so I have a couple goals. So, um, so I have a short-term goal that I, I just think, oh, what do I want to accomplish? Right. And some goals I've had for several years, I've never gotten around to them but I don't beat myself up over it because if I've had a full year and I've been productive at work and productive contributing at church and been good with the fam, then okay. You know, maybe that book's not going to get written this year that we all have on our list at some point, right? A few of us follow through on that massive hat tip to our, many of our colleagues who've done it. Um, But um, it's about priorities. You can do everything in life, just not all at once. So maybe the time for me to reflect on things is down the line. Um, And I don't need to beat myself up over it. Um, But a lot of my goals lately are health-related, brain health, gut health, physical health, uh, kind of bucking the stereotypes um, because I kind of like the challenge of that. Uh, it's, It's funny, when I first got into social, you know, we've, we've lived in a a world of pre-social media and it's come into our world of work and we've both embraced it and we've used it so much. And, um, but when I was first using it, I would get a lot of grief from my colleagues, executive colleagues that, you know, it's a waste of time. I'm not doing my job, blah, blah, blah. Well, then it turns into like this powerhouse business strategy, right? If you use it right. So I kind of feel like, that around being in my 50s and what does society tell me? Like I need to shop at certain stores and buy certain products because I've had a couple extra birthdays. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. And if, you know, there's the myth that, well, you can't really grow muscle mass because as men get older, baloney. It's baloney. Take the right supplements, eat well, work hard. It's not a magic formula, right? It's not a magic formula, but you do have to do the work. As you know, because you're a fit guy too, you have to do the work. It, it, you, you just don't get to say, I'm going to do it. I like to talk about it because, uh, not from a bragging standpoint, but because when you put it out there, you're putting pressure on yourself to follow through, right? And so that's helped me. That's helped with races too. I, when, I, when I would sign up for a, even a little sprint triathlon, I would tell a lot of people, Cause then you have to train. Cause they'd say, well, how'd the race go? Well, you can't say I decided not to do it because I was lazy. You have to keep training and follow through. So I, I think the same thing holds true for my goals. Uh, not all of them I publicize, um, but uh, you know, there, there are a few that I think it's important to articulate them, but in a thoughtful way, I don't think, I don't think goal, like my most recent goal that I'm, I've changed my whole nutrition and training and everything that had nothing to do with the year ending. That was just, it was time to, to crank things up a notch. I felt that kind of competitive spirit hitting and uh, it was time to just go super hard for, I don't know. I think it'll be about five months or so, five or six months is the plan uh, to get to April 1st, maybe five months. So we're just, we spent one of our train workout sessions just sitting there, plotting out the whole strategy instead of working out. And then 
execute. You know, and you had also mentioned, Jay, you know, you, you have a plan to live to 100. Yep. And it, it strikes me that if you're going to live to 100, it, you need a plan, not just to get there, but to get there healthy. Because, right. you know, no one, when, when you think about how sick many people are, um, or just how bad they feel, even, even if disease hasn't shown up yet, sure, yeah. just brain fog, lethargic, all that, like that doesn't sound fun to spend another 30, 40, 50 years doing that. Right. So, so it's not just being, being old, but it's being healthy as well. And that takes a tremendous amount of intentionality. And, you know, one of the things that strikes me is that there's this gap because so much of what modern medicine does is, you know, it either treats symptoms or cures the worst. Uh You know, it's, it's not really like if you're just okay, you're, you're probably just okay. And, and if things get really bad, yeah, you know, you can go, you go to your doctor, you get stuff sorted out, you, you get better and all that. But there's such a difference between, yes, my life doesn't completely suck and I'm, I'm living an extraordinary life. You know, and to me, it's yeah. that intentionality that shifts it. I think so. I totally think so. And I, it, it's also uh, for me, um, it's it's the habit of and hardwiring this habit of being positive. Hmm. Well, say, say more about that, Jay. So, you know, I've been through some extremely difficult things personally, as we all have, right? I don't think anyone could say, oh, no, I've just had a great, great ride for 50 years. Nothing bad's ever happened, right? So I, like everyone else, have been through some brutally difficult things. And, um, but I have worked, I have worked to a point where my default is positive. Now, is that that 100% of the time? No, I'm not a robot. Uh, So I do have moments where I'm just wallowing in sadness and being super depressed or whatever, like every other human being does. However, I think I am able on average, because I have intentionally worked this into how I think, um, I have tried to bring a lot of positivity and a lot of energy. I don't think those two are separate. Negative people who bring a lot of energy, they exhaust themselves and it burns out after a while and they quiet down and then they have to recharge and come back. For me, positive energy fuels more positive energy. And so, I mean, I like to yell and stuff, like just like I'll be in the gym and I just yell and you know, I, the, I was at, with my trainer a little earlier tonight before we jumped on for this and I was doing something and yelling and just being fired up and because I just get in a good mood and I like to be a goofball. And one of the new clients was working with another trainer and said, hey, is that guy okay? And the owner was training and says, oh yeah, he's fine. He just likes to yell. He just gets fired up. So like, it's just like, they all know, I like, guess this is what Jay does, right? So this sounds kind of goofy, right? However, if we think about the people that we've either worked with or been connected to in our personal lives who are really full of positive energy, you can think of them right away. Your listeners, if they paused for five seconds, they could think of that one or two, you know, that one group of one or two that could, that was always full of positive energy. 
and people migrate towards them. So from a leadership perspective, if I'm bringing energy and positivity, people are going to listen to what I have to say and they're going to follow, right? So, so, but Jay, I mean, you're, you're in HR, so you deal with tough issues. So help me understand the difference between uh, positivity and, you know, being Pollyanna or just, you know, kind of the blind yeah. optimism. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'll give you an example. So you're right. HR has to do a lot of hard work. Every single place I've worked in my career, uh, multiple times people have said to me, Jay, I could never do your job and I would never want to do your job. Because at the core of HR, yes, there are some big strategic decisions always that have to be made like other jobs, but there's an element of HR that deals with massive confrontation at some of the most vulnerable points in time. Um, Harassment investigations, terminations, reductions in force, like these are intense, intense moments. These are not normal daily operational issues, right? And so... um, I I said to my team once at one of the hospitals where I was VP, I said, we need to be um, the best HR team in the country. And they all kind of looked back and they're like, well, how how are we going to do that? Like, like, what are you even talking about? I said, well, some department has to be the best in the country, right? They're like, well, I guess so, right? Now, I know there's no scoreboard for this, right? There's no scoring system, right? But I wanted them to be fired up, like, okay, we have hard work to do, but let's just be the best in the whole country. And I said, we have all this talent on our team. Look around the room. Look at all these talented people here. So let's be the best HR team in the whole country. Why not? And so that was one of the ways where I could talk about and bring this positivity to the group, even though I knew, man, we got a lot of heavy lifting to do this year, right? But let's be the best anyway. You know, and, and that's that's a great example because, you know, it's it's it sounds kind of funny on the surface. And this would apply to a lot of jobs, not just HR, but because you're right. There, there's like no one judging like who's the right, best. Right, um, right. You, you know, um, there's not an award for it, anything like oh. that. But I always like to go to the opposite, opposite extreme just for uh, comparison, because imagine the energy if you had said, you know what, guys, uh, everyone... I think if we pull together and work really hard this year, we could become known as the worst HR department in America. Like it's going to take effort because there's a lot of competition, but (laughs) I think we could do it. I think we could bring this company down. Yep. Single-handedly one department. (laughs) Yeah, we could do it. And, And that's, I mean, you know, that's a ridiculous example, but yeah, imagine the energy that would be unleashed. Um, and I mean that in a very negative sense. Um, right if the focus was on the downside versus, yeah, things are tough, how can we do them better? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a silly example and the team knew it was silly, but they also knew what I was doing, right? It wasn't a secret. They're super smart people I was working with. Um, Same group I used to say, if, you know, if I come up with the best ideas in the room, we're dead. Y'all are way smarter than me. My job is to implement the ideas, not to come up with them. That's what you guys do. So it's, um, it all comes back to though, this mindset, this positive mindset. So, you know, if I, you know, I've been blessed to be able to speak at conferences and be in front of different groups and people gravitate towards that positive energy versus somebody who's just reading their canned stuff, you know, and you're like, all of a sudden everybody's on their phone and they're not tweeting out what you're saying. They're checking their email, right? 
They're not, they're not just blasting quotes out to the interwebs. So, so how do you, I mean, we, the, the whole theme here of our conversation here, Jay, is really become intentionality and, and you know, just yeah. do, doing the work, planning, doing the work. And so life is hard. As you mentioned, there are downsides. So how do you cultivate that? Cause it's not just like, I can be happy for the moment and I can get knocked down in the moment. So yeah. What have you done to help cultivate that over, over your life? Yeah, so this is where faith plays a, a pretty heavy role for me. My dad was a United Methodist pastor, and I grew up in the church. And uh, uh, he was also, and my mother as well, so super cool about the pressure on a kid whose dad's a minister. Because that's a different type of job. What's your dad do? Engineer, firefighter, plumber minister. Whoa. Right. Like that's which one of these doesn't belong. Right. So it's totally different type of job. So they gave me massive amounts of latitude and support and all that while still exposing me to their faith and um, which has become my faith. And so having that connection and being active, not just participating in uh, Sunday services, but being an active leader in the church community for me, Again, my journey for me has been incredibly rewarding because there's this whole nother um, layer of positivity and support and community. Like I have a social media community, which is wonderful uh, in all different areas of my life, professional, personal, music, fitness. I have all these kind of little sub communities, which are incredibly supportive. And I have this faith community, which is awesome. And so you, you start to have this momentum that builds with lots of positive points in your life. So it's not a straight line connecting all of them. I might step in a pit sometimes, but there's, there's all these hands to help lift me back out. And um, that becomes um, a real self-confidence booster because you think, well, geez, if I think about it, I've got like half a dozen communities I can reach out to. That's different than, well, you know, my back hurts and my shoulder hurts. Well, my back does hurt every day. I totally wrecked my right shoulder last week in the gym. So we've had to nurse around that. Well, I'm not stopping. I'm just being creative, right? So it's that it's that view that I've invested the time to have these communities and I can get something from them, um, not in a selfish way, but in a supportive way, if that makes sense. It does. It does. You know, it, it's interesting. I, I, I like how you see the benefit of multiple communities. I mean, because I, I have some days where it's like, oh, man, there's so much to keep up with. Like there's this group over here and this group over here and, you know, mm -hmm. the, this social media outlet. And, and some days it feels overwhelming. So I really like just that that spin on it of that different approach. Like, no, these are great communities that, that, you know, I'm nurturing each one. And yes, I nurture each one differently. They're different aspects. It's different yep. people and all of that. Yep. Um, and, and maybe that's just a sign I need to reach out to my communities more where it feels um, where I'm getting energy all the time from them, or at least being able to shift between them to, to always have one that's providing energy and supporting that. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So we, we covered fitness, we covered faith. So the other big point, you know, in your own bio was family. So before we wrap up, I, I did want to just ask a little bit about family. 
Because, you know, it is, I think, well, cliche stereotype to, you know, kind of be at this point in your life and um, maybe not have the relationships with family that you want. Um, you know, it's easy while you're building a career, maybe to not focus on the other people in your life or, you know, wh- sure. whatever it is. Um, it's easy to grow apart. So what have you done to, and, and again, intentionality to grow together? Yeah. So it's, um, I, I made some decisions. I, I was very fortunate in my late twenties, I landed, um, my first manager job title job. And that soon became a director of HR job and things, things started happening, um, faster than maybe they should have, but I was lucky, right? Part of this is timing, part of it's luck, part of it's hard work, right? Absolutely. So for whatever reason, my career started to accelerate fairly rapidly, which we all know means less time at home, right? That's just how that goes. This is pre everybody works from home. Right. And so I made a decision to, and I don't know where I saw this. I'm sure I did not come up with it on my own. I wish I did, but I'm quite sure I didn't. Um, That I wanted to have a two-hour rule. And what that meant was that I would get home. I would make sure I left the office and got home to be with my kids while they were awake for two hours during the week. So if they went to bed at 7.30, I needed to hustle to get home by 5.30 or so, so I could see them for two hours. And then I could do work after, right? You can always bring work home. That's That's been a universal rule since forever. So that was, in the early years, that was very, very important. And now that the kids are big and um, living their own lives, or mostly their own lives, I still have one in college, so he's kind of semi semi on his own, uh, still banks at the bank of dad. But other than that, um, I try to text or call them every single day individually. And um, that is a very intentional thing. And I've been doing that for about five years now. And sometimes it's just a text. Sometimes we don't, or I'll, I'll call and they're busy and I always say, you don't, you don't need to call me back because they know tomorrow I'm going to be reaching out. Uh, but that part has been really, really key. Um, so they know dad's there. And, um, and every once in a while, I check and say, you know, am I driving you crazy with these daily you know, outreach? And like, no, 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 I like it. It's like, a, it's like a thing, right? So we have this little special thing, even if it's a five-minute call. Um, that's great. So that's been, um, that's been really great with the kids. And um, I have uh, one sibling and my mom is still alive. She's been going strong. They're both down in Fort Myers, Florida, a couple hours south of me. And um, I stay more connected with my mom than my sister, but I probably talk to my sister every two weeks. So still pretty heavy, pretty heavy connection between all, and lots of texting with my mom and my sister and I, lots of group texting. They have conversations where you and I might text each other, then we're done. Right. <laughs> we don't we don't continue a whole dialogue via text, but so sometimes I just have to I just stop responding. But yeah. But yeah, so it's it's very much you're right that the theme of our conversation has been intentionality. And um, uh, maybe it doesn't work for everybody, but it's it's been the crutch that I've leaned on to help me 
fuel how I want to get through all these things and keep that positive outlook going. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem to be kind of, kind of a superpower in, in the sense that we don't, nor- I, I don't think we normally think about it. Like we, we often just kind of accept the day as it is um, and don't always look ahead. Like, you, you know, one, one of the great things about any intentionality is you, you're, you're not doing it for today because however, today's results are from yesterday's efforts. Right. You, you know, and tomorrow's results are from right. today's efforts. So what I do today is not really about today. And, you know, I, I think we often don't think ahead like, you know, hey, how am I going to feel when I'm 60, 70, 80, 90, 100? You know, what do mm-hmm. I need to do now to not only feel amazing now, but to, you know, feel great then too? Well, one of the phrases that I adopted about five years ago was I'm going to take the long view on just about everything. So the long view with the kids was I'm going to stay connected. And if, if they don't want to connect every day, that's okay. They're going to know that I love them and I'm dialed in. And so I'm going to take the long view on these relationships because as they get older and they move out of their teenage years and early twenties and they're really normal people, (laughs) um, they're going to appreciate that. Right. And hopefully it's a little bit of role modeling about how, connected I and focused I was on them that they can pay it forward with their own families. Um, and I've done the same thing with nutrition and fitness and all that stuff we were talking about at the, at the top of the show, because you, you can't get in shape in a month. Like it's just not going to happen. I've, I've done uh, a lot of the um, uh, beach body videos like P90X. I did that and insanity and they're awesome. They're way harder than the infomercial way, way harder. Jay, Um, I've seen it. You get the DVD or the download or whatever, and then you look like the person in the ad, right? Then you're on Muscle and Fitness Magazine in 90 days. Sure you are. Um, But um, so you can get in better shape in 90 days, but, you know, this this is a long haul. And so it helps me with my expectations, you know, I think that's helpful because we are a shortcut society um, very much. And, and to where I think, you know, you spend any time on social media and it's almost like you feel bad if you don't like reinvent your life, become a millionaire entrepreneur, you know, in 30 days or so. Like you're, right. you, there must be something wrong with you. Right. Grow your followers in six months to have two million. Like that's just not, right. it's just, no, like, no, that's just not, just be real. Take your time and, you know, share some content that's meaningful to you. I don't, the content I push out, and as you mentioned, I'm, I'm absolutely enamorated with Instagram. I think it's a glorious and fun platform. Um, but I put out a lot of content, but it's all stuff that I want to put out. I'm not trying to entertain anybody. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not trying to monetize. I'm just having fun. And, 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 and you know, and, and that's a piece that I think often gets overlooked that, you know, we, we all get so serious in being these overnight successes or getting bogged down into wondering where our life went and giving up on moving forward that, you know, we, we kind of just miss that long view, that long haul. What can I do today to make tomorrow a better approach? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I, yeah, I mean, that, and that's your approach. And so I'd love to see the validation of that philosophy, you know, see that in action. Um, well, I, you know, we're probably at a good point to, to wrap up here, Jay. I really, really appreciate your time tonight. This has been awesome. Um, any final thoughts? Anything that we, we haven't covered, I haven't asked you that, that just kind of 
encapsulates everything. Well, thanks again for having me on, Brock. This has been super fun. You know, you're you're asking me to talk about things that I'm passionate about. Like, okay, right? Like that that's that's not a tough answer to come back with a yes, right? Uh, but I I will say this. Um, if I'm I'm a big believer in providing some support to people uh, because it's hard. I am doing better because I have a trainer. I thought I was working really hard. I wasn't. I was working hard within the definition that I and my little J cocoon set up for myself. And all of a sudden I'm doing things that never in a billion years that I think I would be able to do. And so having that little bit of a boost or a support person is great. So if people uh, you know, want, and I don't mean a virtual coach and all that. I don't mean it the, quite that dramatically, but it's more of, Hey, uh, a virtual buddy to say, I I'm feeling lazy today, Jay, what should I do? Well, you know, I'm going to, I, I posted something. My trainer yells it at me all the time. If you're tired, do it tired, right? <laughs> because you feel great. I feel way better on days when I haven't felt like working as hard, texting everybody, going to the gym. If I'm just, ah, right? I just need a break. But if I push myself a smidge more, it's never as far away as we think. Just a little nudge. And then you feel like, wow, I didn't feel like doing that. feel like doing that. And I did it. So yeah, I would just offer if anybody needs a little virtual buddy, uh, I'd be happy to do that because on, on anything, work, whatever. I'm, I, I have a uh, last comment and um, I'll, I'll wrap, but I have what I call a personal board of directors, and they don't know they're my personal board of directors, but they are people that I've met 95% through social media communities, not in, I've met them in real life, but I didn't start out meeting them in real life. Actually, some I have not met yet. And they don't know they're on my personal board of directors, but I use them as people to get feedback from, to help make decisions, to ask questions, to talk through things. Um, and that's a very powerful tool as well. So it's, it's, there, there are all sorts of ways to keep the motivation up, to keep the energy level up, to not feel so isolated, particularly right now where we're kind of hitting, you know, pandemic 2.0 and more restrictions coming, that sort of thing. So happy to do that and uh, share any tips and tricks and things. And most people, hardly anybody ever takes me up on it, but I offer it all the time. <laughs> Well, nice. Well, all right. So if, if someone did want to take you up on it, um, where would they find you, Jay? Well, it, easy to find me on the social medias, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, on my LinkedIn profile, I have my cell phone number. So it's really easy to text me. You just have to tell me like I'm texting you because I heard you on Brock's show and versus just sales text, right? Like, cause I don't answer any of those. Um, but yeah, just tell me why. Uh, and uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's the letter J, the letter R, K-U-H-N-S. So it's again, easy to find if you're looking. I push a lot of content out, so it's, you can bump into me. All right, nice. Well, Jay, again, thank you for being on and just appreciate hearing your thoughts about how to do life. Thanks, buddy. I love being here. It's a great show, Brock. Good luck. This is awesome.